because London is kind of like New York. It's kind of like crazy, and you need to have good, um, you need to have you know, good self control in order to kind of get through the months. Whereas I'm not sure if I've ever been blessed with that. So LA is more, I don't know, it's um, easy to keep yourself on a good track. I think self control, just in terms of like avoiding temptation. Or- yeah, yeah, just like going yeah. out and being ridiculous. I mean, LA has that if you want it yeah but i feel like it's a choice in la like i can choose to go and do that whereas in london i i was in it so yeah I'd just walk. from the standpoint of you've got all these sort of freeways and it takes you an hour to get everywhere just that kind of la within a 45 minute drive i can you know be yeah. at the beach or okay. be in the mountains or you know do all this hiking stuff or i can go to the city or i can go to hollywood at, Whereas, I guess, when I was in London, I was living in Shoreditch, yeah. in the middle of everything. So so you have healthy no lifestyle such... alternatives within driving distance yeah, probably. versus just driving to the bar. Well, I didn't have a car in London. I'd just walk out and I'd be in pure mayhem every night. What does a day look like for you? Um, we're usually not at home, waking up on a tour bus somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> what percentage of the year are you actually like on tour at this point in your life? <laughs> I mean, Is it like, they, they, ha- is they, it like half and half now? Oh, it's more than, it's that. More than uh, that. This year I've spent, I don't think I've been at home for a cumulative six weeks, really? seven weeks. So it's more than 80% probably. It's just constant touring? Yeah. Um, but it's, and also, well, I've been doing a lot of, we've been doing a lot of European festivals. So I'd fly over for a weekend's worth of festivals and then I'd just hang around, like I'd stay in London and do other stuff or work or whatever. Um, and then go back out for another weekend so I, I could have been at home a lot more if we were kind of as successful in the u.s as we are in europe that's sort of one of the yeah. major downsides of moving not just to the united states but that coast of the united states is yeah the mass of long... your fan base is, is still in europe at this <clears throat> yeah, point. it's a long old trek does this sort of give you the opportunity to though kind of plant some seeds or in, in terms of spreading the gospel of the band um i think so yeah i mean i think it's been really helpful me kind of being in la in terms of meeting people and things like that as well as kind of inspiration and working with others and 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 stuff and yeah i've kind of started up this new project which is very much going to be like born from within la and growing out that way rather than the wombats that was kind of liverpool and london and stuff but yeah i wouldn't change it for the world and you know um, get a few uh, miles out of it so it's okay does that have a discernible impact on on the music that you're making i mean this, this project that you're working on now is it vastly different from the wombats well, trying to make it as vastly different, yeah. but it's always going to be kind of yeah, wombatsy, yeah. isn't it? Um, no, we just had lots of uh, a few songs left over from this fourth album, which people liked. And I was like, well, they didn't make it on there. Yeah. So I was like, well, well, you know, let's do something. And then with my time off in between festivals, I've just been working more and writing and getting it all together. Yeah. How do you ensure, though, that it it is different? I mean, if the starting point is the same, if these were songs are written specifically for that bands, how do you go in a different direction with them? I kind of see it all a lot simpler than that, really. I mean, I kind of, I like pop songs and I write kind of alternative pop songs with bizarre lyrics sometimes and however i want to dress them up is or however we the yeah. one that's want to dress them up is, is how we do it so are they in a pretty raw form when you bring them to the band for the first two albums they were yeah i just like kind of turn up and play and then on the third album dan and todd would send me tracks and then i'd write to that and then on this fourth album 70 percent was written in la and then 30 percent was in oslo where we all kind of like sat in a room and hashed it out yeah, so every album's kind of been different. It seems like you're in a good place at this point, obviously both like literally in terms of being in Los Angeles where it's 
sunny all the goddamn time and you know being in a relationship and does that have an impact on your songwriting i think so yeah because yeah i don't know getting married and um you know having a full-time partner who is as nuts as mine is um in a brilliant way um how so <laughs> um, she's just she's a she's a you know she's a fiery character yeah she an artist as well no 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 um she was a uh hotelier she worked in like five star five yeah. diamonds hotels in chicago and then beverly hills and then she she's she's a dog mum now dog mum writing a, a breakup song or a song about love or loss or despair all these things is it, is it a little harder when you're just genuinely happy no because within relationships i think there's always that push and pull so yeah. i just kind of go off that a bit more now i suspect that it's harder to write a, something like a love song and not fall into cliches when you are kind of living through some of those cliches um yeah i don't know that it's always kind of constantly kind of barking up the same tree but just trying to trying to alter the bark occasionally and try and you know say something that a million people have said before but in a slightly different way that connects with people i mean obviously like you often need distance between yourself and a subject to kind of write about it in a really objective way and i find that a lot of people end up sort of gravitating towards the same time period i mean are you are you kind of pulling from similar places in terms of that inspiration yeah i think so i mean for me i used to I used to like purposely fuck my life up in order to get a song out of it. Do you have like a, a concrete example of that? Um, you, like you were putting yourself in positions? Yeah, just trying to kind of uh, make my life as uncomfortable as possible in order to get the the um, the juice needed for a great song. So there was a song called Techno Fan on the second album, which is kind of a big single for us in the UK. And um, I really didn't want to go out one night and my girlfriend at the time and all her friends were going to this minimal techno nightclub and it was just when this drug called uh, methadrone had started kicking off which was like a plant it was like a plant pesticide or something and then everyone in london started you know hoovering and um uh got some high i didn't i didn't do it but um i had the worst night in this minimal techno club but then the song came out of it so it works kind of five percent of the time. So when it does work, it's it's worth it. I mean, when you yeah, do... but I don't I don't I don't do it anymore. Try yeah. and take a much more laid back approach to writing. <laughs> you can really end up down some yeah. rabbit holes. I know you're sort of dealing with the, with depression at a certain point as well. Were you seeing a therapist at the time? I've been seeing in and out of therapy for yeah. a decade. Yeah. So when you're having a conversation with a therapist about songwriting and you tell them that you're like basically fucking your life up to write songs. What, what's the reaction to that? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would... Pro I probably didn't take their reaction seriously. Yeah. But yeah, I remember one guy in London, David, yeah, he would just laugh at me, really. Say, so, do you think... he just go, do you think that's a good idea? I went, no, but I'd still do it anyway. There is this kind of romantic sense of depression or, or misery being the, the root of making great art. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to a lot of a lot of artists about this, about sort of the concern of turning their life around or, or getting medicated or, you know, maybe sort of getting to that point where it will be a lot more difficult to come up with something sort of heartfelt and genuine if you're in a better place. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a big question. Yeah. I wouldn't really know where to start. I, I, have you medicated before? Yeah. Was was it something you were sort of afraid to do? Because, you know, I, I know, like, especially, I think it's gotten 
gotten better. I think like antidepressants have gotten better over the past couple of decades, but especially like the 90s, maybe the early aughts when they first really started becoming popular, there was this concern that you were the highs as well as the lows. Yeah. What was it? I mean, uh, when I, I started taking citalopram in 2006, which was, I think they, it's called Celexa here. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. that was, that fucked me up because yeah. that was, um, this, well, it, I could just tell because the songs that were coming out were just not as good as they should have been. And like everyone from my family to the band to the label kind of knew that. And as soon as I stopped taking it, it was a lot better. When you were in that, though, were you able to see that they weren't as good? No, no, I yeah. don't know. I mean, that's that's a tough spot when like everyone, literally everybody <laughs> yeah, yeah. in your life and everybody you're bouncing off of is telling you that they're just not there anymore. Yeah, so I do think that, you know, being happy and content probably isn't the most conducive to uh, creating anything um, that's really going to kind of stay the course. Did you switch medication based largely on the fact that like you were just kind of writing shitty songs? No, I was just kind of, I was just kind of done with it because the whole first album was just such a blur. Yeah, and then I was off for a while and then back on in like 2015 and then I've switched like three times and now found something you're feeling very, pretty good where you are very now. like a light dose of something that's just yeah. just about right and the songs you know are coming so so that switch happened somewhere between the first and second album the stop just before the first album came out the first record was pretty well received i mean i think you guys were getting a lot of press over here i heard yeah. about you guys like pretty soon after that came out so yeah going from really kind of having i don't know if hits the right word but like being pretty successful out of the gate to all of a sudden oh i don't know how to write a good song anymore that's a it's a tough place yeah, I don't really think the brain registers success very well. Yeah. I kind of think the ego registers success and the ego is pretty much is pretty much useless. How do you register success though? I mean, how can you tell whether an album was was well received? How can you tell if the band's sort of on the right the right path? Um the shows really, just seeing people's reaction and for some reason with this fourth album, I kind of felt like I was just extremely proud of it from the word go, which I wasn't about the second or third, but I was about the first. What's the big difference when you look at the first one versus the next two? Just the kind of innocence behind it. And then mm. as soon as you have some success, then there's all, you know, our label at the time were very heavily involved. And it was, it then became rather, you know, writing a song to demoing it, to recording it. Yep. It then became this whole kind of world of overthinking and just general head fuckery so the first record there were, there were no expectations at all no that's a big difference is everybody sort of like all of the different cooks i guess so and also you know on the second and third albums i had expectations yeah um whereas i didn't really think it, a thing like that with this one were you going out of your way to switch it up sonically again like you know you had a a success kind of out of the gate with the first record so it was the impulse to keep it as close as possible or to Go in a completely different direction. Um, I think that kind of we weren't getting the required like buzz from guitars anymore. So the second album, you know, um, was a lot more synth driven. And you mean like from the standpoint of like of almost like doing like a new drug where you just weren't getting high off of? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Anymore. It was just like when we got in a into a band scenario and started playing, it just wasn't like. Uh, yeah, we were just much more excited about electronic music and things like that it was what you guys were listening to at the time um yeah maybe a little bit more and also we were kind of put in this kind of indie rock bracket in the uk which we were kind of you know didn't really feel that comfortable in so i guess there was a need to kind of try and prove that we could do 
other stuff. And then there was just logistical kind of things like writing a song on a piano is is actually kind of much more enjoyable than writing it on a guitar because you've got two hands and you can do melody and chords at the same time. Yeah. It's just a kind of straightforward logistical thing, I guess. Does that change up the songwriting a bit as well when you're changing the instruments like that? When you're writing on something, writing something on a guitar versus piano, does the song come out differently? So sometimes. I mean, I don't know. I remember, is it like Mick Jagger? He said, you know, if you write a song on an acoustic guitar, it's going to be a ballad. But I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah. When I'm writing, I'm not really thinking about what it's sounding like in the in the enclosed environment, or it's more about like, okay, I can see what kind of song I want this to be, and then whatever's happening down here doesn't matter. If that makes sense. You're very happy about the first record; it does really well. The next two, you know, maybe weren't quite what you were hoping for. I mean, is that sort of a time to do some introspection and figure out the way forward for the band? It wasn't that I was I was still happy with them. I was still you know extremely proud of them, and some yeah. of them have. You know, especially the second album and like some songs from the third were far more successful for us. But it was just like that kind of innate like feeling about them that I, I was like, ah, could have could have done better. Maybe if I'd have just chilled out a bit, it could have been better. If you had taken some a little more time between yeah. the albums, well, no, not more time. Just if I'd have approached it in a different way. How do you sort of get back to that original feeling from the first record? I mean, it sounds like you've been able to capture it to some degree on the new one. Yeah, remove expectations and kind of. Enjoy the, you know, enjoy the process because that's all I can really do. I don't really have any choice. I don't really have much of a say in the matter as to how it's received or what kind of stuff happens afterwards. Whose expectations are you removing? Other people's expectations yeah. of myself. Of, of kind of holding yourself up and working on the record without external interference? Just like I, I've been a kind of pro problematic people pleaser all my life. And so there were times where... It felt like I was trying to write songs that would get past other people's expectations of what we should be doing. So it felt like, you know, we were signed to Warner on the second album and I was trying to, like, toss the songs over the net and the net was fucking high. In terms of, like, writing a hit for the yeah, record yeah, yeah. label? Yeah, yeah, And um, like, I like hits. Hits are fun. So, yeah. But then I realized that doing that just doesn't really result in hits most of the time so what's that process like when you sort of sit down and you're like all right i'm gonna write a big hit single today it's never a big hit single <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is the um in terms of actually like formulating a song how is how is that different are you are you actually like actively listening to what popular right now like how do you approach it differently i guess you just i guess there would be times where i'd be trying to like write you know something that was extremely catchy and on the really terrible songs write a lyric that's dumb enough for you know everyone to to enjoy but then you know i shortly realized that you know it, it's just it, it's got to resonate within you know me and when it when it resonates within me a lot then it's usually good were you able to take any time off before the new record i mean it seems like you guys have been just pretty constantly working no not really yeah no, no we haven't really had much time off I don't think. Do you feel like you're going to be able to do that at some point or or are you kind of are you concerned about losing momentum? I I kind of want to just crack on to like album 7 or whatever and just pull my head out of the clouds and see where the land lies really. So we'll meet back here in like 2025 and you can tell me about the, yeah. the vacation that you finally <laughs> took. Um but I think you know um this fourth album the way we've set it up and that how it's more of a collaborative process um that's it's much easier now and there's less stress on me and there's less, you know, I don't, I'm not dragging myself into a studio from nine to five and just plowing away regardless of whether I'm inspired or not. It's kind of 
a lot more bouncy and vibey now. And I think in that respect, it's not, it doesn't seem that much of a, you know, writing an album doesn't feel like a huge deal anymore. In terms of you're not taking the entire burden of the album on yourself, yeah. the other, was it a little more dictatorial in the past for uh-huh. you? Yeah, the first, second, and 80% of the third album was, you know, mainly me. And they did want to write with me and stuff. I'd always kind of push it away. And there's a bit of ego involved there. And then I guess at some point you kind of just stop. It's interesting that you've gone in that direction. You know, I, like I, I, I talked to a lot of bands and, and the consensus is that I know obviously every band operates differently, but the consensus between most of them is that to some degree, every band kind of has to work as a dictatorship and that like there needs to be somebody who's really like kind of in charge of the the vision of the thing so you know we've heard, we've heard all these stories like there's that one credence record where fogarty like lets everybody put a song on there and it like, yeah it, and, it, and it turns out really poorly but you've you've been able to go in the other direction in that i mean obviously you trust these guys you trust yeah for a lot of things but you trust them more for songwriting than you had in the past yeah i trust the way that it's set up in terms of you know we can we can all sit in a room, create an idea. I can take that idea away and have my own time with it. Okay. So you're still doing a lot of the heavy lifting yeah, yeah, on yeah. a song by song basis. Yes. Yeah. A little bit. It's a little more laid back this this record, you know, especially compared to kind of the first one, the earlier ones. Yeah. Are, are you uh, are you getting a little mellower in your in your old age? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Or at least I hope the music that's coming out isn't mellow. Yeah. If I am. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to to, uh, to kind of. We've been so busy, it's hard to really kind of know what's happening with one another. Do you feel like you have to kind of force yourself into in, in, into a schedule that you have to sort of set aside a certain amount of time to really sit down and, and write? I mean, I've just been... No, I mean, I kind of... It's more like worry about the writing when the album touring yeah. is, is over. So you're not somebody who like has a notebook on him at all times, who's just constantly yeah, writing? Yeah, well, I'll just yeah. write stuff down okay. in my notes in my phone kind of titles mainly or yeah. any ideas or lyrics that I think are cool or whatever. There's always something going on, but I, I'm not kind of seeking out rooms with pianos in on days off. So the time comes, it's sort of time to like get everybody back together that you send the bat signal up yeah, and then you comb over the notes and then start kind of writing in earnest from there. Yeah. Something like that. You know, especially now that you guys are so spread out geographically, how does that actually come together? Well, the last, I don't know how the next one's going to work. The last one, you know, I wrote 70% of it in LA and sent over kind of demos to the band. And then we, uh, we reconvened, we, we all got together in Oslo, Torda just had a baby. Um, and then we, yeah, I guess we spent, it was like four trips to Oslo, both about two weeks or two months in Oslo. There's the um, Keith Richards story, the satisfaction story. Oh yeah. Where he just sort of like wakes up in the middle of the night and or and wakes up in the morning and has basically the song written it's frustrating right to, to yeah. hear these stories about like all these amazing artists who are just a, sort of like pulling songs out of the ether all the best songs seem you seem to be a passive spectator within them they're just they it feels like they're just happening and you're not really in control of it but then kind of what i've found and as time goes on is that the inspiration comes kind of after you've put in a bit of work like you've got to make yourself get in the room mess around for a while and then within that there's the inspiration rather than the inspiration coming before you've actually tried to do anything i've always got the impression from your songs that you know you're the kind of person who hears a phrase or you know or some some combination of words and just sort of like hits your ear and that's kind of the germ of a of a song yeah 
Pretty much. It's all kind of in the titles for me. I think if I've got a good title or, or a good concept that I believe in, then everything else kind of falls into place. Have you, have you started thinking about the next record at this point, or are you just kind of falling on this one? Only thought about kind of what it's going to be, because we're at kind of an interesting road now where we've done kind of the first album, which was like punky. It sounds yeah. like a Yorkshire Terrier trying to rip your face off. <laughs> the second one like, is... Like that, that little dog complex where yeah. they all think they're a lot bigger than they actually yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the, the second album, which is kind of like, you know, there's five different producers on it. It's a full-on major label warfare and then the third which was kind of a bit similar the third there was no real concept it just kind of fell out of the second and then this one you know i was kind of i was like we can't do another like synth pop rock album like just don't want to do that and so i was really annoying in the studio just trying to you know make sure that we did something that was organic mainly you know analog recording no fancy production wizardry no just Great songs, tastefully produced. Let's see if people like them. It was still born in the studio, but I, no, I suppose that 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 thought process was happening before we actually got to London yeah. and collated everything and started recording. So that we would, you know, I was demoing in LA and we were demoing in Oslo, but we all scrapped all that and re-recorded yeah. everything in London. You need to start from a an idea, like a sort of an abstract concept of what the record is going to sound like, or at least how it's going to come together. Yeah, sometimes because I feel like if you putting kind of creative roadblocks up is not necessarily a bad thing. I think yeah. if you if you don't put those up, you end up falling back into the same patterns you did on the last time. So that was kind of my job in this album a lot when we were recording. You know, certainly some of the songs where Dan and Todd had less input on and they would want to kind of put their mark on it and kind of stop playing a load of synths. I was I had to be the prick who was like, let's not do that again. And then that kind of got a bit fiery but i think it made for a good album in the end you need to basically set up constraints when when you're putting it together i don't think you need to but that's well, kind, I mean, of what, you, kind of like, what happened you, you, on this you do, album. i mean it sounds like you know you do in order to sort of like move forward otherwise you're gonna what probably just kind of get caught up in the same traps yeah, that you've been i think so because yeah. how do you make anything different if you just if you just doing what feels good to you do you feel like the work that you're doing in sort of this side project in los angeles is, is helping you move forward as a songwriter yeah because that's that's like very collaborative because i just wanted to have a have something on the go that you know there's no politics like it's a kind of a gateway for me to put out whatever i want whether it's a death metal song or a you know um happy hardcore house song with pitched up vocals it is collaborative. I mean, obviously, it's your it's your project, and again, yeah. you're bringing your songs to it. But you're sort of going out of your way to make sure that other people are having input yeah. in the music as well. Just well to, to kind of make it as different as possible, and it's kind of a similar similar thing to you know working with the one that's really yeah. I kind of get the idea, and when when I feel like something's flowing well, then I'll take it and finish it off. There you go, that was Matthew Murphy of the Wombats. Their latest record, Beautiful People Will Ruin Your Life, came out last year on Bright Antenna here in the States. Thanks a bunch to him for taking the time to do that. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the show. If you like the program, there are a number of ways to support us. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you happen to get your podcasts. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rylcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to get all your RIYL-related information. If you have any feedback, it's rylcast at g email.com and that's about it for this week's sister ground because we are going to be back just about this time next week with another episode of riyl 